Welcome to the Rush Hour. Your daily dose of pop culture and entertainment news for your Rush Hour ride. Work sucks, but your commute doesn't have to. Buckle up and enjoy the drive with your host, stand-up comedian and power recapper, Dave Neal. Hello, everybody. Happy Groundhog's Day. It's February 2nd, 2024. That's right. The day we all wait to see if spring will start on time or whatever the hell happens. Who knows? It's a chance to look at a cute, fat squirrel, right? Okay, let's jump into it. Is that what it is? I don't know. It it always looks so traumatic. Do you remember the year they dropped the... uh, groundhog and killed it you know what i mean geez it's like can hopefully this year they'll have you know a, i don't know more delicate hands boy geez i didn't mean to start this podcast off on such a rough uh landing as it were uh but we're gonna get into it right now yeah that's right puxadani phil the famed puxadani phil gives us his winter weather prediction every groundhog's day historically though the results aren't all that reliable predicting the weather for the next few days is a no easy task let alone for the next six weeks Ask your local meteorologist. And if trained experts have trouble forecasting what sort of temperatures are in store across the U.S., then what should we expect from a simple marmot? Is it marmot or marmo? Come Groundhog Day on Friday, many will gather in Pennsylvania's Gobbler Knob to eagerly await whether Puxedonny Phil is destined to see his shadow, signaling another six weeks of winter. But if historical data is any indication, placing our faith in Phil and other lesser-known groundhogs to determine the length of winter may be a foolhardy endeavor. The fun tradition to break up the monotony of the bitter cold months has endured for well over a century, regardless of how often Phil is right. And here's what to know about just how reliable his predictions have been. Uh, it looks like he apparently has seen his shadow 84% of his prediction uh, predictions. Phil has been right only 39% of the time. All right, so he's, uh, he's, a, he's not a good source. But like I said, he's cute and we like him. And speaking of cute things, oh boy, the cute relationship, that's a weird segue, of Caitlin Bristow and Jason Tartik, obviously dead as a doornail. Uh, They broke up in July, but now that Jason is making the rounds with his interviews because he's got a book coming out, Caitlin is getting a little passive agree, passive agree, agree on her Instagram stories, which, hey, I respect, I respect the game. Uh, So he commented saying that she was passive aggressive, and then, you know, I mean, amongst other words, he said he said a lot of nice things, but he was like, you know, I felt like I didn't have a champion in my corner and this and that, you know, and all that. Well, she has responded on Instagram stories sharing a quote. Listen, you never want to be on the wrong side of a white woman sharing a quote. Okay. She wrote, uh, she 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 shared the quote, letting things slide to keep the peace only starts a war inside of you. All right, I'm ready. Is 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 all hell about to break loose at the border between the breakup of Caitlyn and Jason? Will there be a ceasefire or is she I mean cuz I tell you what I don't know if she's listening to Jason versus hearing the headlines, but the headlines will never make you feel good, right? They always take the worst of the worst out of the conversation. And, you know, I was talking to my wife about this, about how, you know, sometimes you just, you know, you miss those days where you could just have a good old clean break. And I was like, yeah, but, you know, when you're in the podcasting world, you make your living off of commenting on your breakup for years. I mean, sometimes, you know, you might break up with someone like, let's say Danielle, right? She breaks up with Michael. You know, Michael A, Danielle M, she breaks up with him or he dumps her. She might spend a whole year recovering and being quiet. And then one day she might wake up and choose war and say, you know what? I'm ready to tell my side of the story. And to which I say, 
We are listening. Let's go. Hey, I want to give a shout out to everyone who came to my show last night in Nashville at Backyard Comedy. I believe her name was Jenna. She came up after the show with her boyfriend or maybe it was a first date. I don't really know. I didn't get the info. Either way, said she's a big fan. I appreciate you coming out to support live comedy. I got this idea. What if I bring back the brunch mimosa show? Wouldn't that be fun if we did mimosas and laughter? Maybe pick a random Saturday once a month and just be, you know, be there at 11 a.m., be out by one, smashed, go home and do your drunken laundry. You know what I mean? I think that could be fun. Maybe you could get the kids to go play in a ball pit for a couple hours. We'll have to see. Either way, I appreciate all the support. It means the world to me to go out there, meet a bunch of new comedians, kind of get my you know uh, footing in a new comedy scene. It's like being the new kid at school, and I really appreciate the warm welcome that I received. You know who's not getting a warm welcome? Ukrainian-born model... Uh, who sparks a debate by winning Miss Japan pageant. She said, I am absolutely Japanese. And let me tell you something. In the war of cultures, I have no idea if this is progressive or degressive. I have no idea. But it's called Miss Nippon. That's how the Japanese pronounce Japan, right? And uh, as far as I could tell, she's just a white presenting Ukrainian lady. But hey, she moves to Japan and becomes a naturalized citizen uh, living in Nagoya, uh, am I pronouncing that right? Nagoya? Uh, since she was five years old and speaks fluent Japanese. So, hey, as far as I'm concerned, she's, she's she's as Japanese as they come. And she won the whole contest. She is now Miss Japan. So, again, I don't know what side I'm supposed to be on. I don't really care, but it's pretty wild uh, out there. You know me. I'm, I like to keep you up on your Vanderpump rules. I got I to gotta keep you up on Bachelor. And who is Miss Japan? We need to know. And now we got it. Taylor Swift wants to use the word Taylor Con and brand it on everything. Um, Taylor Con is a regular Swifty fan convention that's going down in Dallas in March. One that's been organized by fans in which Taylor Swift and company seem to want to jump on by trademarking the phrase. Taylor and her team don't appear to have any official affiliation with this. She'll be touring around this time, so she definitely won't be there. But Taylor Con is going down and it's already sold out. So she applied for the trademark Taylor Con, and I don't blame. I mean, I mean, if there was a Dave Con, I would at least want the rights to it. God forbid it became some sort of like mega successful thing where every city now has a Taylor Con. I would at least want to know my name in some way or another is attached to whatever the hell is going on there. Well, do we cover this story the other day? Jackie Robinson, his statue was stolen, right? And uh, we covered that. It was found, burnt, and smashed to pieces. Well, good Samaritans have raised over $175,000 to replace the statue. Let's see what it's up to. Oh, it's up to $185,000. Support League 42, inspired by Jackie Robinson. So um, I don't know what it's going to cost to remake the statue or if they'll be able to find the culprit. Oh, we got people donating 50 bucks, 5,000. I mean, people want Jackie Robinson back on his feet. So looks like they're going to get their wishes. Good story there. All right, well, Heidi Klum is in the news, and whenever Heidi Klum's in the news, look, we don't just love Miss Japan, we also love Miss Germany, and that's Heidi Klum. We'll have a little bit on her deciding she needs to start putting a top on around her friends. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll hear from her to see what the hell she's talking about right after a quick word from our sponsors. All right, we love the adorable uh, and always heartwarming Heidi Klum. She's a free spirit. She's known for her crazy Halloween costumes, and she's one of the most beautiful women on earth. Here's what she had to say about putting clothes on in front of her kids, I guess. I try to be like that with my kids. Yeah. Obviously, when you know no one is there, 
I'm in my garden also, you know, I'm topless. And, you know, they will come. They're like, you know, my friend is coming over, mom, put your top on. And I'm like, when have I ever not had a top on when your friend was coming over? Of course I will. But they always make sure, mom, just a little warning what's going to happen here. And I'm like, don't worry. I also don't want to flash anyone just to flash someone. It's just I just don't love tan lines. I was talking about me uh, tanning topless in the garden. No, but but she thought that I was gardening. <laughs> no, mom, mom, I have to say this. She has a story. She has a story. Okay. I would have birthday okay. parties. I would have birthday parties at the house, or I'd have friends over, like my boyfriend over, and she tans topless by the pool. And I remember having like my girlfriends over, and I'd be so embarrassed yeah. and like scared because usually in like like my friends' families, like you know, I never see their moms like tanning naked at the pool. But I thought it was normal. And my friends would always kind of be like, mm, like kind of standoffish, but it was just so normal in our family. I, um, all I of a sudden, all the boys at school are like, we want to go right now, to yeah, like, your mom's house today. Yeah, imagine imagine the skid marks uh, of boys just ride, just just peeling out their bicycles to get into Heidi Klum's driveway just so they could possibly go uh, to the pool party. Heidi Klum throws a, hey, look, hey. I'm with her. You know, when I studied abroad in France, you know, you'd see people kind of going topless at the beach. And I mean, it's crazy, right? Isn't it? Cra- I mean, here's the thing, right? We're listening to Heidi Klum talking about tanning uh, topless. And in some ways we're like, oh my gosh, that's insane. But it's like, what's the real insane thing? Putting on clothes on top of our God-given bodies? Now, I understand. I understand the idea of clothing. You know, we don't need to see everybody let it hang loose here. But I love the idea of just a European lady who says, you know, I'm going to raise my kids and I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, absorb the sun rays, uh, you know, is it get that vitamin D, right? Uh, where do you guys stand on this topless nude thing? I mean, look, I've been, I've been to resorts before where they have topless beaches. I'm not saying it wears off, but you do get used to it. You do normalize so quickly. Like humans are so adaptable when we, you know, are presented with new environments. And, um, and now don't get me wrong. When I was a 19 year old studying abroad in France, was I a giggling buffoon every time I saw boobs? Yeah, of course. I mean, maybe I still am, but the point is, is I still think for those that feel comfortable, like I think there was a topless book club in Central Park in New York City. And don't even get me started on breastfeeding. I mean, the the, the people that shame others for what they do with their body uh, blows me away. I'm all for free in the nipple. If you want, let's just not judge what other people want to do with their bodies, right? Well, that kind of leads us to the judgment of Taylor Swift. She, of course, has been raked over the coals very oddly by a large segment of a population. It's almost It almost feels like a contrived culture war. Whenever we have a culture war here, I always wonder, who's pouring gasoline on this fire? You have a lot of people that are st- saying, like, I'm sick of seeing Taylor Swift on my screen, you know, watching football games. But Taylor Swift mania is not going away. It actually keeps growing, and I think it's going to grow throughout the year as people wonder who she's going to endorse for president. Now, there is no chance she's going to endorse Trump, but last election she endorsed Biden. So people are wondering, will she do this? Now, regardless of who she, uh, she you know, endorses, I think everyone has the right to their own decision-making process. What I do love about Taylor, again, apolitically, is that she encourages people to go register to vote. The best thing we can do for 
for our country is vote, vote, vote. And we might think our votes don't matter. Well, if we prove that we're all going to collectively vote, then people will have to start paying attention to new voting demographics, which, hey, might be Gen Z. Either way, here's Colin Coward just eviscerating people who are upset with their fragile masculinity towards the issue of Taylor Swift. A lot of really weird, lonely, insecure men out there. Um, the fact that a pop star, the world's biggest pop star, is dating a star tight end who had one of his greatest games ever, and a network puts them on the air briefly, that it bothers you, what does that say about your life? Judge people sometimes on the silly stuff that bothers them. It'll tell you a lot about them. When I hear this whole thing about Taylor Swift, I just want to watch football. Liar. You're lying. That's not true. A football telecast is not just football. In fact, the commercials for four hours before the Super Bowl will be widely watched. Did you know statistically in a three and a half hour NFL playoff broadcast or regular season broadcast, just 18 minutes are actual football. And we have the data. We have the numbers. You don't turn away. There's coaches cutaways. They show fans in Buffalo on fire, uh, commercials, reviews, 18 minutes of real football. For the record, about the length of five Taylor Swift songs. <laughs> Listen to this. The New York Times measured how long she was actually on the broadcast. Do you know how long it is on average? 14 seconds. 25 seconds. Oh, there you go. In three and a half hours. Just a guess. Against the Ravens, it was up to a whopping 32 seconds. It was 14 Chiefs and Raiders on Christmas, 12 Chiefs and Bengals, uh, 24 seconds, Buffalo, Kansas City. She was on for a minute against the Dolphins, but it was an absolutely awful broadcast. They should have had a concert in the middle of it. That would have been more interesting. And why wouldn't CBS, which you know has the Grammys, cross-promote the world's biggest pop star? Hey, listen, I worked at the other network. I work at Fox. I've seen us jam people on TV shows I would never watch during football games and sporting events. Don't forget to watch this right after the game. I've already forgot about it. Let's get back to the game. But I don't have to rush to social media. I'm okay with it. Here's the other thing that strikes me. Matthew McConaughey. All right, all right, all right. Love him. Drake on everything. Spike Lee, Knicks games, Eminem, Michigan sporting events. We celebrate it. 80s, 90s, Jack Nicholson, Laker games is cool. Saw Jack. But a talented and beautiful woman is on the air, one who would never pay attention to lonely men, and it bothers them. There's a stat out there, it's kind of uncomfortable for you sad guys, that 50% of men never have real intimacy with a woman. That means the other 50% have multiple intimate relationships with women. And those ones that don't are angry and sad and lonely, and they are often misogynistic and resent women who didn't give them the time they think they deserve. We celebrate all these goofballs jumping on tables in Buffalo and cheese hats and men and men and Matthew McConaughey and Drake and Jack Nicholson, men and men and men and Eminem and it's cool and can I get a selfie and I can't believe I saw. And a young, attractive, beautiful, talented woman comes on for 25 seconds and you're bothered. 
again, judge people by the silly things that bother them. This says nothing, this anger. This says nothing about Taylor Swift. It says everything about the men bothered by it. There's a Wow. I don't know, folks. I think that one speaks for itself. What else is there to say? All right. All right. Well, I mean, it almost left me speechless, right? Pretty good one. We got some more content coming your way. I tell you what, let's do this. Let's do a little quick reset. We'll take a quick break and we'll take a quick break and then we'll come back with Lala's Ultimate Catch a Man uh, Kit, which is a video that's been making its rounds and was sent to me by multiple people. We'll have that for you right after the break. Well, you guys asked for it. Uh, people have been demanding I play this clip for you. It's called Lala's Ultimate Catch a Man Kit. It was uploaded yesterday. I, I didn't realize this was a new video that came out. My guess is not to kill the joke, but it is, uh, it, it is uh, I'm assuming, regarding the Clayton Record paternity scandal here. Uh, satire, one might say. So for the low cost of what, 60 bucks or so, you can buy this kit to catch a man. Have a listen. Is Lala's ultimate catch a man kit. Did you find your soulmate, but he's not cooperating? This kit is for you. We did all the Delulu so you don't have to. The catch a man kit includes color-coded gummies so you don't roofie yourself. One reusable plan B package. Three, always positive pee sticks. Trademark pending. Over 4,000 scripted texts reusable sonograms or CT scans and a one size fits most baby bump. Wow. Pretty but good deal wait, there. There's more. Check out the extra day Lulu package. This package includes alternate online profiles, fake legal documents, sympathetic backstory, stupid life coach, business template for convincing backstory, fake Ted talk topics, detailed timeline with when and how to escalate the convincing of your soulmate. Take advantage of our founders over 10 years of documented research. Don't delay. Your happily ever after starts here. Any resemblance to actual persons is purely intentional and 100% <laughs> Purely intentional. But wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. Tell us. Order Lala's Ultimate Catch-A-Man Kit now and receive a travel-sized turkey baster. Visit lalashappilyeverafter.biz. Shipping and handling not included. I'll Additional tell you what, fees may apply. I'm, Go ahead, girl. Catch your man. This has been a... Go fuck yourself. I mean, good morning production. <laughs> I took a pretty wild turn there, but I tell you what, the travel-sized turkey baster, just when you think, look, I mean, turkey basters, they really do come in one size fits all, but I, I don't mind a little bit of a travel size. Um, you know, speaking of, uh, I, I got zero segue here, but here's, we got a clip of Snoop Dogg. It's only 13 seconds long. This is where he just finds out how much money he made from a billion streams. Have a listen. He just sent me some shit from Spotify where I got a billion streams, right? My publisher hit me. I said, break that down. How much money is that? That shit wasn't even $45,000. That's crazy. crazy. That is fucking crazy. Billion streams. That is a thousand million. Do I have that right? A thousand million is a billion streams. So pretty wild there. I didn't mean you might say, oh, Snoop Dogg doesn't need the money. Well, Snoop Dogg might not need the money, but Snoop Dogg doesn't need someone else to be making the money. If you haven't watched that Spotify miniseries, I don't was it, was it on Hulu? I can't even remember. It was so good. It was one of the few. I hate watching foreign shows just because I don't like reading the subtitles because I'm an idiot. Uh, I read enough when I do this job. I read enough of Jane Doe's emails. I don't need to read subtitles too. 
Uh, but either way, I, uh, that show was so good. The, uh, the, it's the, it's about the founding of Spotify and, you know, like anything with Spotify, with all these companies that come out and sort of automate and they take away the middleman and don't get me wrong. Artists have been robbed since the beginning of time, right? Uh, artists are taken advantage of because they love sharing their craft, but either way, you just really see how much money must be made because yeah, so he got paid 45 thousand dollars for a billion streams and then for whatever reason caller daddy the podcast we played with uh, heidi klum gets paid 60 million dollars to host a podcast uh joe rogan a hundred million for his not to say they're not worth it but it just goes to show it sounds like they're robbing from some musicians to attract new uh, audience from other avenues Either way, here's a different story we're going to turn to before we're done this morning. We'll have a ton to get to this afternoon. We have Jen from the current season of The Bachelor. She was actually uh, mistagged. And, you know, that's probably some intern. Who, know, who knows who was responsible? But either way, not a good look. Here's what she had to say on TikTok. Elephant in the room. I get mixed up for different Asian women all the time. How do I feel about it? Disappointed. But not surprised. The worst mix-up that I've had though is when I used to work in an ICU and this nurse could never figure out my name and we worked together for about a year. And then a new nurse came in and she was Asian and then she started calling me by that new nurse's name. And I'm like, you've known me for a year and you still can't tell me apart from the new girl? And I want to say like, oh, it's an innocent mistake, but... It's definitely just happened way too often in my life. I won't lie to you and say, sometimes I do get blondes mixed up from each other or brunettes mixed up from each other. But let's be honest here, the actual issue is that people can't tell Asians apart. Now, is that because people are racist? Because people are ignorant? Because people don't care? Tough to tell. It's tough to say. I'm not going to come out and say that everybody is culturally ignorant, but there are people that are like that, that have actually admitted that to me. I've also had people come up to me and say, you're the first Asian person I've ever seen. It's a tough topic to talk about, but I think that if we just took the time to really look and understand and observe and learn about each other, it wouldn't be hard to not mix me up with somebody else. The issue at hand is not that you can't tell me apart from different Asians, the fact that you don't care, you don't take the time out of your day to notice the differences. Because honestly, at the end of the day, it comes down to whether or not you care enough. My family members will never mix me up with another Asian. So let's just take the time to turn off our autopilot in our brains and be a little bit more aware, be a little bit more observant, take responsibility. Yeah, I really like the way she put that, turn the autopilot off in the brains. And there's plenty of ways that you can break this down. They call it the cross-race effect. And I'm just reading this from Wikipedia. I'm no expert. The cross-race effect, sometimes called cross-race bias, other race bias, own race bias, or other race effect, is the tendency to more easily recognize faces that belong to one's own racial group or racial groups that one has been in contact with. In social psychology, the cross-race effect is described as the in-group advantage, whereas in other fields, the effect can be seen as a specific form of the in-group advantage since it is only applied in interracial or inter-ethnic situations. Basically, uh, you know, long story short, for whatever reason, there's a cognitive thing, there's something going on in your brain that can make it easier to pick up specific traits of people within your own ethnic groups. Now, that's not 
racist? Is it is it inherent? Is it due to lack of exposure to other culture and other diversities? Maybe. But either way, I love her point about just getting off autopilot. Have meaningful conversations with others. Uh, try to remember with intention who you're talking to. But sadly, for whatever uh, intern there or whoever it was that tagged the wrong person, not a good look. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us this morning. We're going to have so much to get into today. I'll be live on Patreon at noon, patreon.com slash Dave Neal. We will continue to put together the documentary uh, titles, uh, the chapters that we're going to put together for the Clayton Eckerd paternity documentary. It was a ton of fun yesterday to do that, and we'll continue that party all day long. And then another afternoon rush hour. <clears throat> oh, I forgot to mention this. I interviewed Mercedes Northup, the beautiful Mercedes from Iowa, who now lives in Nashville. She was on this past season of Bachelor in Paradise. You are going to love that conversation. That'll be up tomorrow, but first, we got to get through the day. I'll see you guys in a little bit. As always, I'm Dave Neal, and this is The Rush. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And if you didn't, don't. Join the free Facebook group, Dave Neal's Community. Got cash? Become a premium member at patreon.com slash Dave Neal. Link in the description below. And don't forget to follow Dave on Instagram at dneals for upcoming stand-up shows. See you tomorrow on The Rush. Thank you.